This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. I have never, in my 42 years of Christian living, most of the ministry seen such a time as we have right now. You know, I, th- I, th- I think about the uh, first minister's conference I went to was back in April of 1981 down in Houston, Texas, at John Osteen's church. Not Joel. I met Joel down there. Joel was a little kid about this guy's size. He was standing on a wooden crate running a TV camera for his dad. And somebody introduced me and said, hey, this is Pastor Osteen's son, Joel. I said, hi, Joel. You know, I looked down at him standing on the crate. And so that's where he is today. But that conference down there, we had some of the faith generals of the world down there. But I'll never forget it. You probably never heard of T.L. Osborne. He's in heaven now. But he's one of the greatest, greatest missionary evangelists in the world at the time. And Dr. Lester Sarmal is one of the speakers, as well as Brother Hagen and lot, lots of guys that really spoke into my life as a young wannabe preacher. And uh, they were taking questions from the guest one day. And somebody uh, asked ask about, in the last days, about a falling away. And had to tell Osborne, and while he was thinking, for Aunt Chance Lester Summerall jerked the paper out of his head, said, I'll answer that for you. And if you ever saw Dr. Summerall, uh, he was one of the main inspirations of Dr. Barclay's life, and he, he, he barked when he talked, and he scared you sometimes, because he was, he was a man full of the power of God and authority and anointing. And he said, and you know, I'm, I'm saying this to us for the times we live in. He said, he said, the Bible teaches that in the last days, there's going to be a falling away, but there's also going to be a bright light, and people run into it, and said, where you stand today, he pointed out at all of us, he said this. He said, in the cities you live in, there's going to be a church on this corner and a church on this corner. He said, this one here is going to be preaching doubt and unbelief and nobody getting anything except hurt. This is going to be for the glory of God, the power of God, the word of God is going to be taught. And you're in between, mister, you have the choice. Which one are you going to go to? He said, yeah, there's going to be a falling away. He said, but also there'll be a great move. I choose to be in the great move. I choose to be a carrier of light. I choose right now with all these people that are full of fear because they're watching the wrong things, hearing the wrong things, hanging out the wrong people. They don't know where to go. I choose to be the light. They run to me and say, what am I going to do? And then I just really easily say, I'm glad you asked that. Follow me as I follow Christ. Amen. And you know, I think about Mark 16. This, this has, man, this just coming out every time I get up here, best things come out. My head knows not about. Think about Mark 16. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe. He didn't say the believers shall follow signs. There's a lot of false signs. A lot of lying spirits out there. And believers want to run where they see excitement at. But when we are full of the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, of what God wants us to do, people are going to follow after us because we've got the signs. And they're going to show them how to get what we got. Amen. And so that's what I say. Where we are right now, like Pastor Dave said this morning, man, my, my cup's not half full. It's not half empty. My cup's running over right now with the Holy Ghost of God, the power of God. And I'm going to be right in the middle of this move taking place across this world because there's no way, there's no way the devil's going to win and the thing's going on. And by the time it's over, we're flying out of here anyway. And then the ones that chose not God, 
have mercy on their souls. Amen, amen, amen. I just tell you what, is anybody excited besides me? Amen, amen. And you know, I'm thinking right now, so I'm talking, uh, you know, like Pastor Dave said, he, and, uh, he, he, he got it off Morris Mott. Morris Mott said, well, he got it off John Osteen. I mean, look at the law of progression there. But anyway, he said, the devil can try his best, but his best is never enough. Think about this. Israel was slaves 400 years. And God tried, tried to get Pharaoh's attention over and over again. He wouldn't go for it. So finally the devil thought, now we've got him up against the Red Sea. How many know that story? I mean, all the things that happened, and here, 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 here is Israel, all these people, got the mountains on this side, the desert on this side, and the Red Sea right here, no place to go. And Satan can't, don't you know, he's having a heyday, thinking, man, I've got God's people now. But then, they did not consider the God factor. When God showed up, he parted the Red Sea, all the enemy drowned, and God's people came out on top. In the times we live in, guys, he may steal the toilet paper. Talk about the devil. He may steal the toilet paper, <clears throat> drive up the price of gasoline, bacon, and everything else. <clears throat> but God's people always come out on top. So wherever we are or whatever we're facing, listen to what I'm preaching tonight. And you may think it's impossible. And you know what God says when it's impossible to you? God says... Oh boy, I got the devil right where I want him now. <laughs> Amen. Mark 9.23, mark this first down. Mark 9.23 says, All things are possible to him that believeth. To him that believeth. Amen. We know that all things are possible with God, but then Jesus took it up a level. Mark 9.23 said, All things are possible if you're a believer. Glory to God. Amen. I'm, I'm ready to preach some stuff now. Show you a book that'll help you. This book's been out a long time. I, I've got my copy that I got back in 1980. Still got it. Exceeding Growing Faith. Exceeding Growing Faith. Wherever you are in your faith walk, your faith can grow. If you do the things taught in this book for the Word of God, your faith can grow. Remember what Jesus said, Oh, ye of little faith? And then he, he, told, he told the centurion, said, I've not seen such great faith. And the very told Peter, he said, you got little faith because you couldn't believe me. And just all and on and on and on, Jesus talked about great faith, little faith, wavering faith, all different levels of faith. But we could have great faith if we do what the Bible says to do. That's where I want to live. I want to walk in the great faith. How about you? Okay, for your notes, title is How to Live a Disciplined, a Disciplined Spiritual Life. And this is where Christians fail. They're double-minded. They're yo-yos. What's a yo-yo? One day up, one day down. They ride the roller coaster. Sometimes they're up, sometimes they're down, sometimes you can't be found. Amen. And so we as Christians, if we live a a disciplined spiritual life, we're going to receive all that God has for us. Open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Look at verse 38 and verse 39. And then I'm going to show you some things that are going to help you. How many want to be disciplined? You know, uh, 
I, I'm not asking anybody to raise their hands, but if this is talking to you, then just inside of you, just acknowledge it so you can change. And don't raise your hands. How many are tired of being goofy Christians? <laughs> that you never know where you're going to be. And you're tired of it. You, you like, the, like the children of Israel running around the desert for 40 years. You've been running around the same things for 40 years. And don't know what to do. Just wandering around, going in circles. And then every time say, I'm going to rededicate. I'm going to rededicate. Well, let's not rededicate. Let's stay saved. Let's stay in the, let's stay in the winter circle. And so verse 30, verse, verse 38, verse 39 says this. Now the just shall live by fear. The just. That word just means the righteous. And the Bible teaches us that as born again Christians, we're declared righteous because of the blood of Jesus in our lives. And so the just shall live by faith. If any man draw back, that means backslide. Be man backslide, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. God does not have pleasure when people backslide. It grieves him. Amen. And you know, what, I, what I've always said, if you can backslide, you can front slide. Slide your butt into church at every chance you get. Act like it's home plate in the ball game. You want to come home. You want to slide in if you have to. Whatever you got to do, you want to get in. And then he says... Verse 39, but we are not of them who draw back into perdition. And that word perdition means destruction. We are not them that go backwards and let the enemy still kill and destroy in our lives again, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Of them that believe. How many are believers? Well, this time we have an altar call. We've got three believers in this whole church tonight. <laughs> Wow, how many here are believers? Well, I'll tell you what, we got about a half a dozen more. One more time. How many here are believers? Glory to God. And you know, let let me tell you something. Sorry, I forget this one. Uh, Katie was talking a while ago. She she said something that that rung a bell with me. I was getting the tissue about the reverence for prayer. I learned something else off Dr. Summerall about 40 years ago. And back then we didn't have the live services and things like that, but we had Christian television. And he made, he, made, he, made, he made a statement one day that's always stuck with me. He said, when you're watching, he said, if you're watching cowboy shows or whatever, you're watching to be entertained. He said, if there's a preacher on TV, you need to give the same reverence to what's going on as you're in a church service. And so I've never, when I've watched television, stopped to take a popcorn break and come in, get my popcorn and my Pepsi there so I can enjoy my entertainment. I, I'm not, I don't watch Christian things on TV to be entertained. I watch things on Christian television to be changed. And so, you know, I just want to, I just want to say to, we're not on the thing on Sunday night, but I just want to say to everybody that watches online services and things, make up your mind, this is not just another TV show. This is the Spirit of God through the man or woman of God you're watching. And hopefully, if you're watching different streaming things, you're watching men and women of God that really are men and women of God. Not like Pastor Dave talked about that religious guy that put out good words that everybody fell asleep, but that, that man or woman's got the power of God when they're speaking. You think, Lord, I'm watching this tonight as if I'm in a church service, and I want change tonight. Please have this person speak something that will help me see what to do. But if you're there on the popcorn break, you might miss it. Amen. And so anyway, I just want to make sure I threw that in there when Katie said that. You need to have reverence 
whatever the Word of God's being taught, you need to reverence what's going on. And so he said, we're, we're believing to the saving of the soul. And so now he said these things here, but they follow verse 35 and 36, which tells you how not to draw back and tells you how to be a believer to the saving of the soul. Verse 35 and verse 36 this is one of the very first uh, set of verses right here, verse 35 and 36, that Jesus taught me, and I put in my heart, not in my head. I want to say something again. I put them in my heart, not my head. I didn't just memorize them. I meditated upon them, and I'll talk about that in a little bit, but I got them in my heart because faith is of the heart, not the head. You got saved because you believed in your heart, not in your head. You believe with your heart, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, you shall be saved. And so I learned right off the bat, I couldn't just read the Bible like a newspaper or like a sports magazine. I had to take time because Jesus teaches us that the Word of God is alive and full of power as a seed. And our heart, our spirit, is God's soil. And so if you're reading a newspaper, you get the information for your head. When you're reading the Bible and study the Bible, you get the life of God to go into your heart. And so I learned that I had to get this word in my heart. So these first two verses here is the crisis I was, I was facing as a new Christian with family people rejecting me, lots of stuff going on that wasn't good. He gave me these two verses here, and they've served me well for 42 years. And this is how I've maintained a spiritual discipline life by the things I'm going to show you tonight. And so notice verse 35 and 36 says this, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Well, number one, you have to have confidence for you to be tempted to cast it away. Amen. Which has great recompense and reward. Which has great recompense and reward. And, you know, I saw something with Joel. I started saying little Joel, but he's not little Joel anymore. He's growing up. I saw something as he got up here. How many really appreciate seeing this young man? Talk to a group of adults. Take up talk. Listen to this. Some of you don't know my testimony. I came from a thug family. I actually had people in my family that were part of the, it wasn't the mafia at the time. It was called the Costa Nostra. Is the syndicate. I actually had people in the syndicate in my family. I've got people in my family. We're not on the air right now, so it's easier to say this. I have people in my family that were murderers. Bad guys, convicts in my family. My family's claim to fame was being bootleggers. Talk about my very close family, a generation right above me. All I ever saw, all I ever saw was bootlegging, paying off the police, all kinds of bad stuff for years and years and years and years. When I found out about Jesus at 28 and a half years old and I got born again, I made a declaration to my father, Talk about my heavenly father to my Lord Jesus and to the devil. I said, the buck stops here. Got that off President Truman. He was president when I was born and he had a sign on his desk. He was, he was, he was a Democrat, but he was, he was really a good Democrat and he didn't pass all of his problems off on his predecessors. He said, if there's anything that we have problems in this country, I'm the president of the United States and I'll take responsibility for him. And he had that thing on his desk, the buck stops here. He said, this is where it stops. He said, I'm going to change things in my administration. And so that buck stops here is the same we hear today a lot of times. And so I told the devil, the buck stops here. And I said these words. 
I said the curse of the Samples family is over. Amen. And so I said that to say this, but I saw him up there tonight. I thought, wow, I made that commitment in 1980, and I've raised up multi-generational strong believers. My son's a pastor. My grandson's up there on the way to be what God has him do. I thought, man, this is pretty good. My son, all he ever saw about the bootleg and the thugging business was the people that were still alive around my family with a few times we'd hang around because I quit hanging around them. My son, Josh, David, all the rest of them, they never saw the stuff I saw except from a distance. They never saw their dad do those things, drink those things, smoke those things, or do that stuff. All they saw was the right stuff in front of them. And then this generation, that's all they see out of their dad and their grandpa. And so, is that some great recompense and reward? That's some reward. <laughs> hey, man, my, 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 my kids and my grandkids are serving God, not the devil. They're not serving booze. They're not serving drugs. They're not ha- my wife's preaching to me. Okay. Okay, pause, hold that thought. I'm supposed to tell you that the reason my son Josh was not here tonight, Pastor Norman over the Church of God in Christ, the church is having a celebration for him for many years in ministry, and they asked Josh to come over there to play the drums up there on the praise team and do whatever else they want Josh to do. Not the drums, the bass. That's why I preach and you announce you got your gift, I got mine. I'm not good at doing ad-libbing announcements. Okay, uh, our son, Joshua, is playing the bass at the Church of God in Christ, being a blessing somewhere else tonight at Julie. They're not church skippers. They're over there. The bottom five, they're still serving God. After I'm saying this, they're not backsliding tonight. They're serving God. Does that fit in with the sermon now? All right, now are we supposed to give, them, give a hand for Josh or something? Oh, thank you. <laughs> I got you a drink of water now. That one got me. <laughs> uh, somebody back up the tape and tell me where I was. The curse on the sample family is broken. And so... You know, I just, as I'm teaching what I'm teaching, I think that's a good living illustration of judging the fruit. You look at the fruit. As a matter of fact, uh, we're not on the tape, so I can say this. When I was on vacation three weeks ago, I got a call from my oldest brother. His son just got murdered. That was three weeks ago. And I haven't been able to touch base to see what happened since then. But that's what it is when you don't serve God. And, you know, I'm not saying that in a bad way, a negative way, a derogatory way, but I'm just saying, look at the fruit. you got a family of young men that serve God, and then you get out there, and the bad thing is, when you play with the devil, you get hurt. And so my children will not be in that arena, nor my grandchildren, because I've got Bible promises. He said, cast out away there for your confidence, you have great recompense reward, for you have need of patience, that if you've done the will of God, might receive the promise. And when he says reward right there, what is the reward? 
It's the reward of the things that God puts in your heart from the word of God that you believe him for. The reward is the goals. And then he said, after you've done the will of God, he wants you to receive the promise. What's the promise? Well, if you don't know some Bible verses, chapter and verse, what God promised you, you're not praying in faith then. Faith only comes by hearing the word of God. And so if there's things you want in your life and you can't find the word of God, you better keep on digging. And if they're not there, then you can't have faith for them. Amen. Amen. And so these verses right here, we're talking about how to live a disciplined spiritual life. I want to look at verse 35 a little closer. It says, cast not away your confidence. What's your confidence? That's your faith in God. Is it confidence and faith the same thing? You know, I, I think I think about Katie and the you know the things she has shared tonight about different things is that I've got confidence in Katie to relay the information to you that needs to be relayed about the church. In other words, I've got faith in Katie. You know, I know that when Katie gets up here, my faith is this that Katie has the heart of God and the heart of us for the ministry to help you out. I've got faith in her, and so I've got confidence in her. And so, if you know the heart of God, how many here think you know the heart of God? It's for good, not for evil. What he said, Jeremiah 29, 11, said he knows the plans he has for your future. He said, plans for good and not of evil to give you an expected end. The expected end is the reward again. And so, in our lives, we don't have to doubt what God's goal is for us. We can have confidence in God's goals. And he says, Cast not away that confidence. And so our faith in God, now listen to this. You hear this a lot, but you've got to keep hearing it. It's actually faith in his word. It's faith in his word. You know, I know that uh, over the course of time, I've had business dealings with lawyers. I've had business dealings with bankers and financial people. And when you when you have a lawyer that basically has your future in his hands, if you don't have faith in that lawyer, you better change lawyers. Because when you go into courtrooms, that man is the only one authorized to speak. He speaks in your behalf. When you get up there, the judge is doing his things. I know by experience, been there before, try to say something, you got to shut up. He looks at the lawyer, says, counsel, and then the counsel talks. And you don't want somebody to stab you in the back with a gear if they're talking with your life's in your hands. And same, same thing with bankers. If you're going for a big financial dealing, you got to have confidence that banker is going to treat you right. Well, if you're going to have confidence in God, you've got to have confidence in his word. You've got to know that if God said it, he's not a man that lies, but he's truth. You know, I'm talking to you right now about this spiritual discipline life that you want your reward. You want your goals accomplished. You want good things to happen, not bad things. And so our faith in God is faith in his word, and that's where our confidence comes from. Our confidence comes by hearing his word. And then look what he said. After you've got that faith, he said, don't cast it away. Cast not away your confidence. This is where the Christians lose it at. That's what I was talking about, the the double-minded, the yo-yos up and down, never know where they stand. You know why? They cast it away. They get all fired up. They get all excited about God. And that's what I've showed you guys, how not to cast away your confidence. And that cast away is this. To cast something away means to discard it and throw it away. You know, I know that um, 
Mrs. Pastor and I, in this thing we're going through right now, moving for the last time in our lives, the last three times, I said, this is the last time. This is the last time. Last time moving this time. This is it. We got our dream house again. We keep on getting our dream house. Then God's got bigger dreams, so we get better and better. Like that. But we have got, oh boy, I hate to rat myself out, but I do this sometimes. I've got three closets of clothes. And I told her the other day, I said, man, this is it. I think I wear probably out of those three closets of clothes, probably 10% of them do I ever really use. I just look, oh, I remember when I bought that. That was nice. I remember when I bought, oh, that was nice. We're getting ready to cast them away. We're going to find some ministry that, well, I'm not telling you, you got six closets. I don't. I said, I'm not going to tell them you do. (laughs) But what I'm saying is this. I have possession of all those clothes. And I'm getting ready to discard them. I'm going to sew them into people that need them. And it's because a lot of them have only been worn not that many times. They're nice and everything like that. So we're going to find a ministry to give them to that ministry of poor clothing. And we're going to give them away. And that's what he's talking about. Cast out away your faith. You don't want to discard your faith. It doesn't get old and usable. Your faith is always usable. Your faith gives you the victory. Your faith brings things into your life that you need. And he said, don't discard them. Like you do old clothes. Now listen to what I'm saying. That's how Christians backslide. That's how they lose out on God. They get all fired up. It says, don't throw it away. How did you get it in the first place? Think about that. How did your confidence come? Because you sat in a service like this. Because you read your Bible. Because you read faith books. You saw the word of God, what you got. So the only way you throw your throw your confidence away is to walk away from church, to quit reading your Bible, to have things crowd, 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 crowd out your spiritual time. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. Amen. He says, cast out away your confidence, and so uh, you've got you've got to stay with the Word. The only way you will ever lose your faith and confidence in what God has put in your heart is to disregard studying. Meditate in the scriptures that you have confidence and faith for in the first place. If you got confidence by hearing the word, you better keep hearing the word. If you got confidence by saying, I'm not going to let anything steal my time with Jesus. I'm going to have time with Jesus every day. And something happens, you have two or three days where you miss out because you get too busy working. Things just coming in and steal your time. You have got to make the quality decision in your heart that you're not going to feel condemned and guilty and give up because you miss out a few times with the Lord. You've got to have that discipline that you're going to have to get back to where you started. Amen? Great, great, great recompense and reward. And then verse 36 says, after you've done the will of God. And it says, it says to be patient. Patient means to be constant and consistent. You gotta be consistent. You gotta be consistent. You know, I think about, uh, you know, I know that a lot of people here since I've been here, I see a lot of you got jobs at the Marine base. You've got jobs at the fort at different places. A lot of people on the railroad here and things like that. Well, when you first start on a new job, it's exciting, but it kind of goes tilt, tilt, tilt too. Cause you think, man, I, this, I really got, this is really happening. 
And then, and then your flesh probably sometimes says, I don't really want to work today. I just think, well, you know what? If you still get the reward called paycheck, you discipline yourself. Knowing, if you're on the six o'clock in the morning shift, you can't step to two in the morning watching TV now. You gotta get some disciplines. You've gotta know, if your family and everybody else is having a three-day weekend, weekend doing stuff, it's your weekend to work. You can't take off and say, I'm not gonna die, I'm not gonna be there, my family's more important. Duh. Why you got the job? You gotta have the paycheck to take care of your family. And so you can't let your flesh jump in there and get your feelings all hurt. If you can't go out through this weekend, you gotta have the discipline to know, I prayed this job in, God gave me this job, and this is what I've gotta do to keep this job. Amen, that's called discipline. Well, the same discipline needs to be in your spiritual life first. I had the faith to pray that job in because I spent time with Jesus. I had the faith for these things for my family because I got the word at every opportunity. I went to church every time I could, every time I could. So if I'm going to keep what I got, I got to do what I did to get it. Amen. That, 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 that patience there, you have need of patience and after you've done the will of God. Well, what's the will of God? To cast out away your confidence. How do you cast out away your confidence? Stay in the Word. <laughs> That's real simple. You know, I think about Romans ten seventeen. You know, there's two sides to, two sides to a coin. You know, on, on, on the positive side, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Well, you know what that's how the coin is? Faith leaveth by hear, not hearing, and not hearing the Word of God. Faith cometh, faith leaveth. Amen. Am I doing good preaching or what? Amen. You you got to stick with it. You got to stick with it. So uh, patience here means to be constant and consistent. And so what Jesus said is this: If you will be constantly consistent in your spiritual discipline, you'll receive in your lifetime all that He puts in your heart. You'll receive in your lifetime all that He puts in your heart. And you know, for me, I think about my lifetime. When I got born again, back on January 29th, 1980, I saw the family of losers I was raised in. But I'll tell you what, my family knew how to lose. I mean, man, talk about born losers. My family was born losers. But you know what? No matter what family you're in, until you get born again, you're born to lose. You've got to get born again, and then you're born again to win. Once you're born again and you're in the right family, you can start winning. So the things that I saw, that's why for me, I said that the curse stops here. This curse is broken. I'm not going to be in, raise a family of losers and alkies and druggies and thugs and people go around hurting people. I'm going to raise a family that serves God. And as I said, sometimes it takes a lifetime to start seeing the fruit of that. And so I praise God that now I've got grown children. Now I've got grandchildren, and they love Jesus and want to serve Jesus. They're not all in the ministry. I'll tell you one thing they're not in. They're not in jail. They're not going. Amen. They're not married three or four times. You know, I praise God that our children have seen the role model of Grandpa and Grandma and how to be married. And now my children's children are seeing what it is to stick with it and be stay married. Amen. That is so much better. And so, I want to say that again. If you'll be constantly consistent in your spiritual discipline. Constantly, constantly, 
constantly consistent in your spiritual discipline, you'll receive all that God puts in your heart. And so the number one way I know to live a disciplined spiritual life is to build your life schedule around Psalms 1, verses 1 through 3. And this is where we're going to camp out at and finish up what we've got to say, because this is the way that I learned to develop my spiritual life. Psalms 1, verses 1 through 3. And you know, I just want to say this. I made the decision 42 years ago to quit being a man pleaser and be a Jesus pleaser. You know, I did not let people all my Christian life intimidate me to walk away from church. I think about uh, years ago, this is a lot of years ago, my grandma was in her 90s, and they, my family decided to start having a family reunion every year. And I was already in the ministry, and so they'd have a family reunion every year on Sunday morning at the park. And I had very close family members unloaded on me, oh, you're too holy for us, says, Grandma's not going to be here forever. Grandma's born again. She's one of the prey men of the kingdom. Grandma's not going to be here forever. You better come to the private union this year. And I said, Sunday's my number one day for my whole life. I said, you guys are all off on Saturday. Have it on Saturday and I'll come. Oh, no, Sunday's their buddy. Saturday's their family. Day. Sunday's family union. And I said, well, I won't come then. And my whole family turned on me. <laughs> And so the same thing next year. Here comes family reunion. Everybody look, well, are you going to come this year? I said, no, not unless you have it on Saturday. And they said, well, et cetera, et cetera. I just told them. I, said, I, told, I told them again. I said, I said, you're all off on Saturday. I said, Sunday's my main work day. I said, my boss is watching. And he pays me. And so, so, I, so can I tell, tell my boss... I'm not going to help all these people you sent to me. So I go to a fleshly function where they're drinking and they're gossiping and they're telling all their beating up other people's stories. I got, when I got, when I got bored again, I was so glad to hear about who could beat up who. Man, I'll tell you what, I get so old hearing those stories about who beat up who this week. And then someone come in, man, all blurry eyed, watered eyed, their cheek puffed out and black eyes and arms in a sling and all that stuff because they got in a fight last night at the bar. So I'm going to say it again. I made the choice. Now, listen to what I've said. I decided I was going to be a God pleaser and not a people pleaser. Because, you know, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. And so I've always said concerning church members that tried to manipulate me or anybody else, if I'm going to grieve somebody, it's going to be you and not him. I'm going to do what he wants me to do, and if you get grieved about it, I can't help you. But I'm not going to grieve him because I need him. I want to say this. We can say it this way. I need him more than I need you. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about you talking to people. You need him more than you need their, their, their likes. You know, I don't need any likes on Facebook for me. I don't need any hands up, thumbs up, or smiley faces for me. I need Jesus to look at me and say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I'm talking about how to live a disciplined Christian life. And you know something else, as we get to look at these verses right here, something I learned a long time ago, I don't tell lies. So sometimes 
some people. People want me to do good things that aren't God things, and they can understand I can turn them down. Well, I would say this real simply. I've got an appointment this morning. Jesus is that real to me. I've got an appointment because I worked all week long on my job, and the only time I got to be able to read my Bible is Saturday morning. And so I'd have an appointment with Jesus. Seven o'clock Saturday morning, I got an appointment with Jesus. And so people couldn't understand how I could do some times. I just simply said, I wasn't lying. I got an appointment this morning. I can't miss it. When people want you to do things and you don't want to hurt their feelings, so you say, okay, I know this is the only time I can read my Bible for the next few days. I haven't had any for a week, but this is what they want me to do. And if I don't do it, they're all going to be mad at me. Well, I need the faith of God to win in life. I need the faith of God to go into that heathen world the next week and clock in and get in that truck and go to the place i got to go. I need to have faith. And the only time i got to where I can really have that quiet time is Saturday morning, that's more important than a ball game to me. That's more important to go look at a junk car or anything else. That's more important to me. I'm talking about Christian discipline. Amen. If you, you know, I, I just, I just think about this whole thing. Christians wonder why they don't have any faith. That's because everything else crowds out their priorities. If your priority is to get more faith, then why are you let all these little things? I, I guarantee that the devil will give you a hundred different good things to do just so you won't sit with Jesus. And when you've made that decision in your heart, that time with Jesus, and faith from his word is your highest priority. You develop that habit. It will get more and more easier and easier and easier and easier to where you just tell people, no, I can't do it today. And then, you know, if you get some of those holier than thou, huh? I guess you're going to go to another prayer meeting today, huh? Yep. So Psalms 1, I've built my life around these three verses. Blessed. That word blessed comes from a Hebrew word that means empowered to prosper. Empowered to prosper. Blessed is the man or woman that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And the counsel of the ungodly, you're going to see in just a second, doesn't mean lost people necessarily. But the ungodly, and the way the Lord spoke this to me years ago, was non-word people. How many know there's good religious people that aren't Bible people. They're church people. They're religious people. But their counsel is not alive with the word of God. It's alive with the world. I remember I remember one time a, a Christian counselor talked to some people that I knew about their, you know, they went in and said Christian counselor about their marriage, about finance and stuff like that. And the subject of tithing came up. And this, the title of the business was Christian Counseling Service. And the guy told them, Quit giving money to that church. That is not godly counsel. The only way a Christian is going to get out of debt is to be a tither. You know, cut off some of the stuff you're blowing your money on, start tithing. That's ungodly counsel. And then, you know, right on down the line, if somebody if somebody doesn't give you counsel in life, the word of God is ungodly counsel. They could be the, the person Pastor Dave talked about, have the, the PhDs, the the Doctor of Divinity degrees, all that kind of stuff there. But if they tell you things that don't line up with God's word that's in the word of God, they may be godly people, but they give you ungodly counsel. Because God and his word are one. And so if the counsel you get is not word counsel, then it's ungodly counsel. 
Amen. That's what I'm talking about discipline. You develop discipline by not hanging around with people that are going to give you false information. That's fake news. I like the good news. Amen. And so, uh, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Nor standeth in the way of sinners. I think it's a tragedy that some Christians feel more comfortable around boozers and fornicators and gamblers and gossipers and people than they do around the people of God. If you are more comfortable around people that practice a lifestyle of sin than you're around God's people, that tells me you've already, you've already walked away from it. If you get convicted, if you get convicted by the strong Christians around you, then you need to change. Amen. If you get convicted, if you're on the job, and I know I was, I always tried to be quiet on my job, but also full of the Word of God, the Spirit of God, that man, sometimes it's like a volcano, I just erupted. And if you get convicted, if you're on your job, and there's a really on-fire Christian that's sharing the gospel with people around you and everybody else is talking about them, and you back away because you don't want them to identify you with this fanatic over here, then what's the difference between you and Peter when those people said, he's one of them was with them. He said, oh, not me. I don't know the man. You should not walk away from the on-fire Christians on your job and act like, I'm not one of them, because if you say you're not one of them, pretty soon you won't be one of them. I'm not saying you have to be the bold preacher, but don't be ashamed of somebody's doing what you ought to be doing too, sharing the gospel. Amen. So you don't want to hang out with the sinners. That says, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And the Lord gave this definition for a scornful person years ago. Now listen to this. Uh, I don't know what to say except this is probably some of you. And if it is, you can change. A scorner is somebody that murmurs, complains, whines about everything, but does nothing to change anything. That's a scornful person. The Holy Ghost himself gave me that definition years ago. A scorner, they murmurs, complain, and whine about everything. You know what that is? That's most of our country. How many people right now murmured, whined, complained when Trump was in? How many ever murmured, whined, and complained because Biden's in? Same thing when Bush was in, murmured, whined, complained. Same thing when, uh, uh, you know, whoever, whoever you think of, any president, somebody's always going to murmur, whine, and complain. Democrats, Republicans, et cetera, et cetera. There's murmurs, whines, complainers. Murmurs, whine, complain about the price of things right now, but does nothing to change anything. It says, don't hang out with these people that are negative is what it's saying. Don't hang out with them. You know why? Because it'll get on you. And if it gets on you, you know what happens? You begin to lose your confidence. You know, I, I, I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. I don't like to pay for gasoline's high prices right now. But I'm not going to whine about it. I'm going to say that the Word of God says, My God supplies all of my need. And I get around Christians that are whining right now about everything in the country, but doing nothing to change anything. Well, how do you change things? Number one, you hook up with congregational prayer. We do the... Faith confessions we do, but also we pray on Tuesday morning at 5 o'clock on Sunday. You can do something to change that. You can start being a part of the answer, not the problem. Start praying and quit complaining. And then when you're around people that do the whining, you can either keep silent and just don't join in with the whining, 
Or you can say what you can say to help, you know, bless them and say something good to them. But, well, I'll tell you what, yeah, gas is terrible. I hate it too. I'll tell you what, it takes faith to put food at our table now. And uh, my family's got toilet paper faith. We can always find toilet paper. No, I'm not saying that'd be funny. I've said, I've said as Bible fact that we can influence people with our faith. And so we're doing something to change it, not just talk about it. Faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. But it's not going to change if you hang around so many negative people all the time that you become one of them. That's called cast away your confidence. Go back the other direction. Now I want you to look at verse 2. And the Lord gave me something to say about this verse 2. This afternoon when I was praying. So number one, we know in verse 1 we're not going to hang around with people like that. But then it says, on the contrary, if we're not going to do that, what are we going to do? But this person that's blessed, his delight is in the law of the Lord. His law doth he meditate day and night. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Now listen to this word. Now, you know, you former addicts, listen to me. I was a serious boozer years ago before I got bored again. My family was boozers. I said, the family boozers, we were addicts. We were addicted to alcohol. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. The Lord told me this, become a word addict. Become addicted to the word. If people in the world become addicted to bad habits, why can't we become addicted to good habits? Listen to what I'm saying. I want you to get this. This is from the Holy Ghost for you to develop a spiritually disciplined life. Uh, uh, what's one way we become word addicts? Well, let me ask you this. Now, listen to this and tell me if you can identify with this. Maybe not for yourself or somebody else. If you hang around with boozers, what are you likely to become? Amen. If you hang around with drinkers, you're going to become a drinker. If you hang around with people who smoke a lot of marijuana and stuff, what are you likely to start craving? Or any other bad habit. If you hang around with people that are sexual addicts, what are you going to start talking about? What are you, what are you likely to become? Who you hang around with influences you to become like them. Well, I recognized, the Lord gave this during worship, I'll go what I'm talking about right here. I recognized that I became a word addict when I got born again. And then I saw why. My best friends were already addicted to the word. My pastor was a very, very strong Bible teacher. I picked up his addiction. Would you call me a decent Bible teacher? I picked up the addiction. I got addicted because I quit hanging around with carnal Christians. I started hanging around with people that I got convicted of being around them and I wanted to be like them. I got I hung around with people that read the Bible day and night. At the time I was single, wasn't married with kids and things like that, so it was easier to do. But what I did, now you know, this may sound strange to you. That's because you're not an addict. I'm addicted. People that are addicts, doesn't sound strange that addicts, no matter how much they get free, they want to go back for more. They keep going back. They keep going back. They keep going back. Because they, they like that feeling they get by going back or whatever is the high they get, etc. Well, I went to church Sunday morning. My pastor had a teaching session, did the regular service, and he taught again. I came back Sunday night, and in between time and after, I went home and I read my Bible. Then he had a Monday morning prayer meeting, depending on what shift I was on, I went to the prayer meeting. On Wednesday night, he had a service. 
In between time, I was reading my Bible. Every Saturday morning, he had no donuts, no coffee, no food. He would sit down, and the men of the church that wanted to would gather around him on Saturday morning, every Saturday morning, at 8 o'clock. And if I got off at midnight or 1 in the morning, I was there at 8 o'clock. I sat at his feet. I learned how to be a husband. I learned how to be a father. I learned how to be a stronger believer. I sat there. And then I went home and read my Bible on Saturday. And then back to Sunday again. And then the people I hang around with, I hung around with other men. And with the, the married people in my life at the time, I changed allegiances. I changed families. All I knew when I got born again was sinners, because I used to be a sinner. But now I changed families. So I, hang, I hung around with families that were Christian families. I hung around with men that were Christian men, but not just Christian men. I hung around the addicts. I didn't realize that until I was right this out this afternoon. That helped me become a word addict because I hung around people that when we talked to each other, we didn't talk about sports. We didn't talk about politics. We talked about the word. I still, I still, well, still, my, my best friend back in Indianapolis, hopefully he'll come out and visit us real soon again. <clears throat> but all we did was call each other up all hours of the night and day. Hey, 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 I want to show you something. I just saw the word. What, Gary, what did you see? And he'd tell me what he saw. And then I said, hey, let me show you what I saw. Next thing you know, we're on the phone for an hour. We didn't have cell phones. You know, we had still rotaries. And so we'd call each other. We'd talk. And we'd tell what we saw. And I'd, I'd be on the way to work in the morning time. And there's a pay phone. And man, if, you know, I had a few extra minutes, I'd, I'd, I'd stop the pay phone. I'd call Rod. Hey, Roger, Roger, Roger. Guess what I saw to finish chapter six? Wow. You know, that's like somebody said, hey, man, I got this guy down here, man. You want to score big? Hey, I'll tell you where they get bad. They just got loaded. Man, I'll tell you what. They, 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 they just got a bunch of, they got Miller's Highlight on sale down at the supermarket today. Let's go down. I used to buy that Miller's Highlight, man, by the half a dozen cases at a time. I didn't want to run out of booze. And so what's the difference between being addicted to that flesh arena, being addicted to the spiritual arena? I got to where I developed such a craving and a hunger for the Word of God that that's where I spent my time night and day. And so listen to what I'm saying. I'm talking about this spiritual disciplined life. Man, you find people that are Word addicts, people that are Jesus addicts, and I can promise you, birds of a feather flock together. You start hanging out with people like that, there's going to be a, there's going to come a point in time you're going to be surprised at the man or woman of God you become. You're going to look back and you're going to say, wow, man, I broke the cycle. I stayed saved for a whole year this time. You're going to say, wow, I've walked with him strong this time for two years. And then you're going to be the one that people look to. They're going to come to you and say, hey, John, will you pray for me? Because, hey, Frank, what's the Bible say about this? Will you help me, Frank? It's going to come to that point in time people recognize you as a man or woman of God. They're going to come to you. And then your testimony is going to be like mine was. You know what? I used to be addicted to those things out there too. But Jesus set me free, and he set me free to stay free. And here's how I stay free. I meditated the word day and night. Look at that next, next verse. It says, you meditate in the word day and night, and then you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You bring forth your fruit in your season. You bring forth your fruit in your season. I like my fruit sitting in the front row of this church. 
<coughs> I like my fruit over there teaching the membership class today. I like my fruit over there at the Church of God in Christ today. I like my, my wife there, Psalms 128, talks about your wife be like a fruitful vine beside your house. I like my fruitful vine sitting up here in the front row. And, you know, I'm talking about you for this disciplined spiritual life to get all God has for you this life, to be what you're supposed to be. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever or everything he does shall prosper. My family's prospering spiritually, mentally, physically, financially, and socially. I don't have any misfits. Amen. I've raised up, I've raised up really spiritual giants to a degree because they followed me as I followed Christ, but it's that discipline. I made the choice when I found out the value of the Word that I was going to build my life around the Word of God. And as I'm closing on this, I think about that word meditate. That word meditate in the Hebrew means an active recitation, a re-speaking of God's Word. My pastor taught me to read the Bible out loud. So my prayer closet, I pray out loud, I read my Bible out loud. And uh, I was talking to somebody the other day, having a problem with, they said, memorizing scriptures. And I told them the truth. I've never memorized the scriptures. Memorization is of the head. Meditations of the heart. Memorization is your head. You memorize history. You memorize math. You memorize science. You memorize baseball scores, things like that. But the Word of God, He didn't say He memorizes day and night. He says meditates day and night. Meditate means to ponder by talking to yourself. Read the Word out loud. And when you do, remember Jesus told us that the Word is seed, our heart's the soil. So I read the Word of God out loud. John fourteen twenty six says, that the Holy Spirit, it's all coming out of my spirit, not my head. This thing's right in my head. I'm like a lot of you. I still have to write notes to remember what I'm supposed to do on some days because i got so much information up there, sometimes it's hard to get it out. I have to sometimes stop thinking, why did I come into this room? What's my appointment this week? And I look at it in my calendar and on my book there, but I don't have to ever, 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 ever try to remember a verse because I've meditated out loud Read the Word of God out loud. It's in my heart. And John 14, 26 says the Holy Ghost brings it to my remembrance. So the Holy Ghost brings it to my head. I don't memorize it. It sounds like memorizing because I'm sitting there reading it out loud. What I'm doing, I'm planting it and I've watered it. And so if you will get through the habit of meditation instead of just memorization, you'll be surprised at how much Bible starts coming out of you. You'll be talking, it comes out. And so for your spiritual discipline, I just want to say this. You make the decision that no matter what else takes place during the week, you develop the habit, i got to have a fix. i got to have a fix. What's it? Uh, uh, you know, you're having a little grouchy time, husband and wife, you're grouchy today, and then wife, you tell him, you got to have a fix. And you tell her, you got to have a fix. And they'll know what you're talking about. What's that mean? That means you need to get in the closet and get high on Jesus by getting high on his word. Amen. Does this help anybody? Amen. Make that decision. Make that decision. And then 
I wrote this down, so I got I got a for these things I wrote down. Uh, that this reward of my life, you cast away your confidence, the reward has paid off greatly. I'm healthy. Family's needs are met abundantly. Multi-generational faith people now that are helping change this world. Amen. And so make that quality decision. You are going to be a disciplined Christian. You're going to put the Word of God above all else. And if you miss a few days, don't let the devil jump on your back and condemn you and tell you what's the use. Just say, not devil, I'm going to get a fix. Amen. Zip. We're done. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.